Welcome to On a High, the show about the intersections of cannabis, design, culture, and lifestyle. I'm your host, Donna Bishop. And I'm your host, Michelle Bilodeau. On a High is produced and distributed by Business of Cannabis, the award-winning media company that provides insight into the companies, brands, people, and trends driving the global cannabis industry. Find out more about Business of Cannabis at businessofcannabis.ca. Hey, Donna. Hello, Michelle. How's it going? It is going very well. How are you today? I'm good, thanks. I'm so looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah. We are so lucky to have Scott Campbell from Bebo uh, on the line soon. And uh, yeah, very excited to talk to him. He is a pioneer in the industry. I don't know if he would agree with us saying that, but I think he is. Trailblazer, maybe? Yeah, (laughs) something like that. Um, So for those of you who don't know, Bebo is a really amazing American cannabis brand. Um, It's been likened to Louis Vuitton, Hermes, and a lot of the kind of big uh, fashion brands for just its its mentality. It's, you know, the way that it, it kind of goes about um, presenting cannabis in a bit of a different mind frame. And an, I would call it, you know, no pun intended, an, an elevated branding. Yeah. And, you know, Business of Fashion has done extensive interviews with uh, with the guys from Bebo. Um, they have a partnership with Barney's, you know, mm-hmm. who was for, sort of the first, uh, one of the first cannabis brands to be brought into luxury retail. Yeah. And, you know, I've been following them for a while, and I think it's, a really fascinating journey of seeing cannabis go from kind of a granola, broy aesthetic mm-hmm. to something that is quite beautiful and yeah. what that has meant for the brand and the industry and kind of expanding people to a different idea as to what cannabis aesthetics mean. Yeah. And what I found really interesting about Bebo is they initially launched as a brand with quality flower. So, you know, just regular cannabis. And then they also have an offshoot called Bebo Therapies, which is their CBD uh, skincare line. And I was lucky enough to be in LA recently. I got to try one of their masks and it's really good. Um, I I don't generally enjoy uh, sheet masks. I've only found one that I really, really think actually changed my skin. And then the second one is Bebo. Um, So the Bebo mask, it's really highly concentrated CBD. My skin just like soaked it all up. Um, And the next day, that night and the next day, my skin was just like, it felt super hydrated. And yeah, like I I would be really interested to try it more than once to see what it does uh, on a regular basis. Well, and I think it's also really interesting that a lot of the branding, especially in those sheet masks, I have only seen pictures. Yeah. But having, um, there's a, an element of Scott's history as a tattoo artist yeah. brought into that in terms of it's not just a an opaque sheet. It's got some very beautiful markings on it that mm-hmm. harken back to that that part of his life. Yeah, and it's definitely artful. Uh, you can tell that, yeah, they put thought into it and it does really kind of lend itself well to the fact that, you know, Scott Campbell is a very well-respected tattoo artist. He has, you know, a couple different shops in the U.S., and he's just, you know, he's tattooed a lot of celebrities and all that kind of stuff. But his his tattoos are also very thoughtful and artful. So it it, it would only make sense that Bebo would be the same. Yeah. Let's get him on the line. 
Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for being with us, Scott. No problem. Uh, I'm going to jump right in with talking about the connection between tattoo artistry and cannabis, because I love how you've talked about in the past about sort of seeing the mainstream acceptance of tattoo art being an inspiration for seeing the wider acceptance of cannabis, uh, you know, become part of become part of our mainstream. Was that your main inspiration for getting into the cannabis space or were there other factors and that fit into it very nicely? Um, no, I mean, it, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it an inspiration. You know, I think, uh, I, I, I think most, you know, creatives, you kind of follow your inspiration and then you figure out why you did it on the other side. Um, no, I, I, I actually, you know, in getting into cannabis, you know, I didn't know if people would follow me. I didn't, I didn't know if people would, um, you know, kind of come with me on that leap. And, but it, it's something that, you know, it's been a bit of part of my, a big part of my life since I was a kid. And, you know, as it became decriminalized and then legalized and, um, you know, it was really exciting just because I have such powerful nostalgia, um, you know, connection with, with weed. But no, it wasn't until I found myself you know, doing press for cannabis products and kind of, you know, advocating for, you know, the the movement as a whole that I found myself saying a lot of the same things that, you know, that I did over the years and in, in kind of bringing tattooing from, you know, the, the criminal underbelly of <laughs> tattoo shops of America to, you know, to, to fashion runways in Paris. Um, and I, I all of a sudden, like, it dawned on me. I was like, wait, this is the same, this is the same path. You know, it, it's taking fringe, underground, you know, criminal culture and, and kind of translating it into a way that, you know, that everyone else in the world can connect to and relate to and, and embrace. And so Bebo has been, you know, one of the first cannabis brands to be tied to fashion, um, you guys have been dubbed the Hermes of cannabis. Was that a surprise? And what did your marketing meetings kind of look like before you launched? Um, I mean, it, in the beginning, it, it wasn't, you know, it was kind of designed selfishly. Um, you know, I wanted to make a, a weed brand that, or a cannabis product that I could bring home to my wife she would be excited to use, you know, when we, when we launched the, the landscape of products was, it was very juvenile, you know, it was very kind of collegiate. It, it, it um, you know, had a bunch of cartoon drawings of pot leaves all over it. Um, and there wasn't anything that felt, that felt truly premium, you know, and, and the, the, the mindset of the customer and the dispensaries at the time was, you know, everyone was just interested in the dollar to THC ratio. You know, it was like, how high will it get me? Not, you know, how qu high quality is it? And, you know, I'm a high functioning adult that has two kids and a career. And, you know, I, it's not often that I have, you know, hours to spare to really indulge in, in cannabis. And so when I do, I, 
I'm not really concerned with how much it costs per milligram. I just want the best possible experience. You know, I want, I want an experience that I can trust and, you know, I'm not going to get higher than I want to. And, um, you know, there just wasn't anything out there that really, um, connected with me or my wife or, you know, like people I know. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, a bunch of focus groups or marketing meetings that were targeting a certain demographic. It was just making something that I would buy, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of the better products in the world are, are usually designed selfishly. Yeah. If you could see Michelle and I in the studio, we're both nodding our heads. <laughs> we're both also high-functioning adults with families and, and careers. And I think it's fascinating that there's this through line of fashion that is the 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 aesthetic that brings it that brings it all together. It's such a, a it, it it instills trust in a brand. Is that part of what you were hoping to instill? For sure. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's all about trust, especially with you know a product that a lot of people are using. Um, for the first time or the, for the, for the first time since their childhood, um, you know, it, it's about, uh, yeah. Cause even, you know, like I'd go into dispensaries and they're like, Oh, this is the best possible product. And I was like, well, whoever made this, it doesn't even look like they care about it, you know, cause it's just slapped together. Um, you know, but when you have a product that is very, you know, beautifully presented and thoughtfully packaged, it's, um, you know, it's easier to, it's easier to to see that whoever made this product is proud of it, you know. So even if you don't completely understand, um, you know, the the different quality identifiers of of cannabis, you can see that whoever whoever made it, you know, put a lot of heart into, you know, you would assume they put as much care into the inside as they do the outside. Yeah. Um- so yourself and even, you know, Bebo, the brand, you guys, you seem to have kind of your finger on the pulse of, of what's going on in the Zeitgeist. Do you see cannabis touching other industries? And like, where do you think the greater trend of cannabis will be going in the near future? I mean, to be honest, like we're, cannabis industry as a whole is in a bit of a lull right now, just because it's, you know, we're all kind of waiting for legislative roadblocks to get out of the way. You know, I, I do really believe that the genie is out of the bottle um, as far as cannabis becoming, you know, as commonplace as, as beer or wine, anything else. Um, but it's it's really the biggest, the biggest thing stifling the growth of the industry as a whole or is legislation. Um, I mean, it's, you know... I, it will get there. Um, I think, you know, weed will be embraced in, you know, in free market society, but there's just so many fires to put out in Washington, D.C. right now that it's, it's almost like, you know, it's like, let's get kids out of cages and then we'll talk about smoking weed. You know, yeah. like, let's, um, it, it's kind of, it's such a mess over there right now that it's it's not really the most urgent thing on, on most people's desks. But, um but yeah, we're just we're just trucking along, you know. I mean, California is still a huge market, and you know, obviously, California government with you know Gavin Newsom and everything, he's he's very pro cannabis, and so we're just we're just 
growing and nurturing our community here, um, hoping that someday the, the gates will open up. Michelle and I talk a lot about the connection between cannabis and pop culture and what that's going to look like and fashion has been a part of that but it seems like a lot of the fashion we see up here any anyway continues to be you know hoodies and accessories that make it easy to port port things about are you seeing anything interesting in california in terms of the intersections of cannabis and fashion um for sure i mean i think it's uh, um certainly think about how they answer that <clears throat> Whoever's editing this, just cut that pause out. <laughs> no problem. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the question was, you know, like, do we see out here see overlap between cannabis and fashion? Just because you broke out for a second. Yes. Is that correct? Correct. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we definitely see cannabis and fashion overlapping more and more. Um, I mean, you know, cannabis has been kind of a creative tool for for so many designers and artists over the decades um, that I think now that the illicit nature of it, you know, the criminal nature is kind of falling away. Um, it is really fun to play with cannabis. Um, you know, the nostalgia of cannabis and, you know, the culture of weed it, in different contexts without, you know, without getting stigmatized or without losing your funding, you know, like it, it's, you can now put pot leaves on things and it's, I mean, you know, there's pot leaves on shampoo and conditioner and shoelaces and, and every product <laughs> out there now. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think it's exciting. I mean, for me as a creative, you know, weed is such a big part of my process. It's, it's nice to kind of incorporate it into the, the public facing side of it as well. Well, and it's nice to see a brand. I mean, Michelle and I often call it the stoner bro aesthetic that, you know, looks like head shops of yore. It's nice to see a brand like Bebo that is doing something modern and unexpected that looks like something that I would want in my home. I think that's where things, I mean, that's where things are going. You know, it, it's um, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, you know, like once... People, yeah, the the bro brands were exciting when during the first couple months of legalization where it's like, oh, my God, it's actual marijuana and I'm buying it. I'm not hiding it from the cops, you know, but but once you get over the fact that it's legal, it's like, OK, now give me something quality, you know, like it's like once once we just accept that, um, you know, it, it is it's just a way to make your day warmer and fuzzier and sparklier and and, you know like a glass of wine or anything else. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think California is very much the crystal ball for, for what it will be in American culture. Once, once the walls come down. Well, and I think it's that, um, that acceptance that pushes design and pushes people to think about how they can showcase it differently and how they can use it in their lives and, and pushes all of the industries to think differently about bringing cannabis into the fold of their, of their either aesthetic or business or culture. Yeah, no, it, it's true. I mean, you see, like, you know, when it was first legalized, a lot of the the brands and kind of communication of weed was very, was very simple, you know, cause it was just like, Oh my God, it's legal weed. And just those two words together, those two words had never been put together like legal and weed. So just the fact that it was legal weed was 
exciting, you know, and you see, you saw like a lot of the, you know, the first legal dispensaries were very, you know, everything felt like the Apple store. And, um, and I think now as people are kind of, you know, we understand it's legal. It's not that big of a deal. Um, now you see a lot of the dispensaries having more personality and depth and actually kind of, I feel like going the way of a lot of restaurant branding and restaurant personalities because it's like, okay, yeah, we're over the fact that it's legal. Now give me something emotional to grab onto. That kind of ties very lovely into our last question. So we wanted to know for you, what does success for Bebo look like in the next five to 10 years? Um, And also just in the cannabis space in general, what do you think success would look like? What I think success looks like? Yeah, for Bebo and for cannabis. I mean, I think, honestly, now it's just bringing it to a larger audience. I feel like, you know, in California, we're we're doing such exciting things and we're, um, like, Californians are becoming such discriminating consumers, you know? People are asking about, you know, what's the terpene profile and they're starting to understand how different terpenes um, you know, can interact with the cannabinoids to make a certain high and feel a certain way. You know, there's like CBN for sleep and, you know, CBD for inflammation, which we all know about. And, um, you know, I think there's, they're becoming much more specific and particular about what, what type of weed everyone likes. And I think once that education level and, you know, that level of discrimination kind of flows out to the rest of the country, um, you know, it, it'll be, it'll be like, like wine, I feel like is the best parallel, you know, cause you have these sommeliers who will walk you through and help you find exactly the experience that you're looking for. It'll be the same thing with weed. You know, you'll have these weed sommeliers that'll just be like, okay, like what kind of hire are you looking for? And, and really, you know, personalize it and help people find the right fit. As far as Bebo's success, I think, you know, just being in touch with, um, you know, the research that's unfolding in real time out here as far as like what, how different cannabinoids affect us and being able to adjust our products to accommodate, um, you know, different people's needs. That's like, that's exciting is really just kind of discovering, you know, like we, we talk about THC and CBD so much, but that's two of hundreds of cannabinoids that the plant contains. And I, I, I do not have the audacity to assume that those are the only two of value. You know, I'm excited to discover um, what else is in there that, that helps contribute to, to all of its magic. It's like, Legalization is the rock that's been thrown in the still pond, and each ripple is another layer of what the industry will bring, be it education around the plant or should this particular strain be consumed best as an edible or vaped or smoked or in a pipe. Yeah, it, it's really, it's exciting. Like, it's like, you know, like I'm, I'm learning more every week. You know, we work a lot with UCLA cannabis research and, you know, it's, it's really unfolding, you know, every week the landscape changes, you know, and, and, and our understanding of it gets a little bit deeper. And so, so the consumers get a little bit smarter and I think it's, it's really pushing that, pushing it all forward at a, at a pretty quick pace. It's exciting. 
Is there any one thing that you could share where you were so surprised where it was like, I did not see that coming. That is super cool. Um, let's see. There's, I mean, the medical benefits of, of weed are cannabis. I'm not getting, maybe I'm not supposed to call it weed. Anyway, the medical benefits of cannabis, you know, I mean, that's what pushed it to legalization. Um, but I, I feel like it was all a bit speculative, you know, because it was so illegal. Um, there was no credible research that was even be a, no credible studies were allowed to be done with the material. But I think now, um, even in the States, it's still hard, but there's a lot of studies coming out of Germany and Israel, um, that are like very thorough, you know, like scientifically respected studies around weed that, you know, are showing that no, it actually is like one of the most effective things to you know, to battle chronic inflammation of, of different tissues. Um, I mean, epilepsy, it's, it's been incredible. I mean, I have a daughter with seizures and, you know, just the fact that I have such a great relationship with the, the cannabis landscape over here and researching it, like, it gives me so much hope that, you know, she won't spend her whole life on pharmaceuticals, you know, that, that there, there are natural remedies to help, you know, help her live a normal life. Yeah, 100%. Well, thank you so much for your time, Scott. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for taking interest. Yeah, of course. And hopefully, yeah, we can uh, we can meet up next time we're in L.A. <laughs> yeah, don't be don't be a stranger. It's it's really nice in January. <laughs> <laughs> we will be down there. Thanks so much, Scott. Take care. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. We are so grateful when you share on a high and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. We would love to hear what you think via Twitter at B of C underscore Canada. Until next time, I'm Donna Bishop. And I'm Michelle Villado. And we look forward to you joining us again soon. This is Jay Rosenthal, co-founder of Business of Cannabis. This is a Business of Cannabis production.